uh, first of all, I just want to say thank you for all the people that's listening and chiming in. You didn't have to do it, but you did it anyway. So I appreciate you doing that. Hopefully that way, if we can learn how to agree to disagree, and we can live like people. When I make the hard topics, I say the hard things, I make the thing itch scratch. So if your itch is not scratching, and you're scratching on the itch, maybe you need to look yourself in the mirror. So I'm not here for no drama. I'm not here for no nothing. Just to learn, 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 and edify. This is from learning situations only. So I'm not here to get anybody's hairs up. So, again, thank you. And hopefully we can agree to disagree. These streets keep calling me. They don't want me to leave the light behind. Staring at stars, wishing I had time. Well, my kids need food and my girl needs me. Sometimes I dream that I'm finally free So baby, don't play me, I ain't no toy I'm a prisoner here, but I still make noise And I'm a child and I'm bowing with all my voice I'm a street kid now, but one day I'll be an island boy I'm just trying to make it, I'm an island boy Island boy, I'm an island boy Cameras made by Hype Vision and Dawa line the streets where they're not only watching people but actively analysing them, even with horrendous features like ethnicity alerts where they can pick people out of a crowd that they believe to be Uyghur. We spent months and months submitting thousands of freedom of information requests and we found that the majority of public bodies are using Chinese state-owned surveillance cameras. These companies have dominated, completely dominated the surveillance market in the UK. Nobody knows how many Hike Vision and Dahua cameras are in the UK. But Big Brother Watch says 227 councils and 15 police forces use Hike Vision and 35 councils use Dahua. You're talking about data on millions and millions of people that could be processed to potentially generate very detailed reports about each of us and what we do. And if that sounds hyperbolic, then you really need to understand what it is the Chinese government does in terms of surveillance in its own country against its own population. American and third world debt different from the American debt. Number one, America is never going to pay its debts. Uh, it doesn't have to. It can, its debts are in its own currency. We can, we can simply print it. Uh, the African debt, debt is not in its currency. The African debt is in U.S. dollars. Africa has to uh, earn the U.S. dollars, uh, and uh, the only way it can uh, earn the U.S. dollars is 
not to be assassinated for growing its own food and becoming uh, independent uh, and uh, doing something that the United States uh, does not like. The principle underlying the foundation of the World Bank uh, is that no country should grow its own food. Africa and the third world should only grow export crops in order to have an oversupply of cocoa and uh, uh, other tropical raw materials to keep down the price, they must buy their grain from the United States or Europe so that if they do something that we don't like, we can do what America tried to do to China in the 60s. We can sanction them. We can say, we're going to starve you. I think the, the most evil organizations in the world today are the, uh, the World Bank and the International Monetary Fund. Makes African and third world. See y'all. See, I tell you, Africa, see, y'all, when y'all play the devil's game, you're going to get burnt. The devil come with the smooth word. Shakada, 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 shakada. With them smooth words. And then behind your back. You know, with them slick words. That's why I tell y'all, Africa. America don't pay their debt, so why you got to pay your debt? Why you got to pay a debt to somebody that been, been, been using y'all all this time? Where's the wise men? Where's the men of wisdom? Y'all don't want to hear them because y'all so gung-ho on foolishness. Let's analyze. American podcast. Monica, good to see you. Great to see you. So, do you, listen, I think we share the same vibe on the digital currency. What's your take? Yeah, it's hard to overstate how dangerous a path this is. When President Biden came into office, he ordered the Treasury Department under Secretary Yellen to actually begin a pilot program to study how this would affect the U.S. economy and the average American. We're not alone. Most Western governments also have these pilot programs. So there is a massive move toward a central bank digital currency in all of these countries. The bottom line here is not ease or convenience. That's how they're going to sell it, right? The ultimate objective is to move us to a cashless society. So you will no longer have that hard asset of that $20 bill or $10 bill. Your money will essentially be software. It will be a number in a program that the Fed, Treasury, the government, your political opponents will all have access to. They eventually want to get rid of most banks. Now, the, the big ones are too big to fail. But in the end, the ultimate objective is to essentially wipe all of the banks out so that your bank will be the Federal Reserve. Everything will be centralized. And again, this is not really about the money, although of course it is. This is about power and control because the government, such as it is, will have access to all of the information related to every single transaction you make. You buy a stick of gum, the government will know. You buy a new car, the government will know. Oh, you bought the wrong car. You didn't buy an EV, now you're going to get penalized. So in the end, Sean, this is really a move toward a CCP-style social credit system. And they're using this move to a central bank digital currency as the biggest lever to try to get us there. It's important to note that, that uh, other cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin is decentralized. 
this will be centralized within the government. Bitcoin is a is a, uh, a technology for freedom. This is a technology for control. I mentioned this before. I brought my I brought my prop. I got a twenty dollar bill. I can use this twenty dollar bill however I choose for for meat, for guns, for even illicit purposes. But when the government controls the dollar, they can control as as the, as uh, as we talked about in the report whether you can buy a firearm, how much gas you can buy, how much electricity you can buy. Can you buy meat, or do you have to buy bug based meat? They can control everything that you purchase with a digital dollar and whether you can purchase anything. Well, that's also the point too, because if you overstep perhaps your monthly carbon footprint, right. or if you say something that the government doesn't like, you engage in wrong think, they'll be able to turn off your access to your own money. So you will not be able to buy or sell anything. This this is what I mean about how dangerous you're it is. You're shut out of the economy. You are, if you're you a are shut thinker. out of the economy. And of course, it's all subjective, and it will right. be, all be in the hands of these Marxists, right? And so you and I won't be able to buy anything. This is why it's so dangerous, because this spells the end of your economic freedom. Yeah. And I'm not sure the American people are really paying close attention to it. I'm glad Senator Cruz and some others, uh, Governor DeSantis, they're paying attention to it. But this is moving very fast down the track. And we need more leaders on, on the Republican side to stand up, and even responsible Democrats to say, look, this is not the path for the United States. Because if we continue to go down the path, you're going to lose all of your economic freedom and economic power will be centralized in the hands of the very, very few. And I think there's a lot of conversation about attacks on freedom, attacks on democracy, right? If, if, and you look at all those things. Do you think this is one of the greatest threats that we face in the country is the digitization of the dollar by the Fed? Yes, 100%. And it's moving along a parallel track with the de-dollarization movement, right. where you have countries now that are dumping the dollar. It's it's moving pretty fast. All Saudi Arabia has to do is say, you know what, we're going to start trading oil in different currencies rather than the dollar to have a complete global and certainly American economic collapse. And that, in a way, they want to instigate that, Sean, because if we have a true economic implosion, they'll ride in as the rescuers with a That's central right. bank digital and, and, currency. And, and you were talking about that in the last segment. I'm, listen, I'm, I'm frightened uh, that we could lose the reserve status with the dollar, what that does for our economy. Um, a lot of economists don't. But you look at, again, a, a $32 trillion debt on the way to $50 trillion, $50 trillion in the next 10 years. Uh, the Fed has a balance sheet of almost $9 trillion. This is disastrous policy to think that the dollar is going to re remain the reserve currency for much longer. Yeah, and if that goes away, then you're going to have the kind of economic implosion we have not seen since the Great Depression. And what does that mean to you and me? That means astronomical inflation. Yes. That makes today's inflation look like child's play. This will be Weimar Republic kind of hyperinflation. And really, the, the only solution to it is going back to the gold standard seek and destroy These drones. are the positions of Ukrainian artillerymen. The M777 howitzer is firing at the Russians. The Russians send in a UAV to combat it. The result is the loss of a good howitzer, which is in short supply with the AFU. This is how the Russians destroyed a Polish 155mm AHS Krav SPH and a nearby ammunition truck. The Ukrainians tried to hide the SPH under a camouflage net, but failed. The Russians discovered the installation and sent the Lancet. Lancets are not only used for counter-battery warfare. The Russians are actively destroying Ukraine's air defense system. 
the Russian drone detects the Tor M1 SAM of Ukraine. The Ukrainians decide to move the installation, but the Landsat is already programmed and flies into the target. This video highlights another feature of the UAV. It is capable of working on fast-moving objects. And this is a British Stormer HVM SAM, of which Ukraine has few. The Russians discovered one of the immobilized units. What happened and why didn't it destroy the drone on approach? A precise hit on the SAM must have taken it out of action. And this is the Gepard SAM. Ukraine has 34 of these. A Lancet easily hits a very rare and valuable complex. Probably this moment, the unit was not working, otherwise it would have easily destroyed such a target. And what happened here is a mystery to me in general. This is a working Buck SAM. The machine did not detect the reconnaissance drone and the Lancet UAV. When the complex began to retreat, it was caught up by the Russian drone. Another Buck M1 complex. The Russians discovered the installation and sent the Lancet. When the munition hit the target, the missiles on the launcher caught fire. The SAM was destroyed. And this Ukrainian OSA SAM stopped on the road. The Russians detected it and launched the Lancet. The drone hit the ammunition, which is why we see such a powerful explosion. In general, these SAMs are designed to combat low-sided and low-flying objects. But, as in the previous case, the Lancet destroyed the complex. A Russian reconnaissance drone detects two Ukrainian S-300 complexes. They are within range of the Lancets. The drone hits the first target and incapacitates it. Now, the second installation. A precise hit on the missile pods leads to a powerful explosion. One vehicle is definitely destroyed, but the second one is badly damaged. Next, the Russian drone notices the movement of two more complexes. The Ukrainians stop and run away. Such a car can't hide from the drone. An accurate hit takes out another complex. Russian reconnaissance detects a deployed S-300 launcher. The Lancet hits the missile pods directly. The Ukrainians decide to quickly relocate the second S-300 launcher. But there is no better shelter than this in the vicinity. These mounds were no barrier to the drone. The second installation was destroyed. In order to blind the Ukrainian air defense systems in certain sectors, the Russians are striking at radar facilities. This is a Ukrainian radar. At the last moment, the drone goes a little to the left of the radar itself and explodes. Why this happened is not clear to me. Probably it is more profitable to damage the electronics than the radar itself. This is the S-300 SAM radar. The Lancet hits the radar. This sector is now temporarily blinded. And this is a rare Ukrainian Bukovel electronic warfare system. It is supposed to counteract Russian drones. A precise hit on sensitive electronics makes the system unusable. Lancets are also used to destroy Ukrainian tanks. Amazingly, a 3-kilogram ammunition charge can penetrate armor and destroy heavy armor construction. a major war with Russia. If we had to fight tonight. Yes. It's the ultimate question for the man in charge of Britain's armed forces. But the Defence Committee didn't appear satisfied with his answer. If you crashed 3DIV out of barracks tomorrow morning, half the vehicles wouldn't get out of the tank path. 
because many of them are 40, 50, or even 60 years old, because all their replacements haven't arrived yet. Soldiers from the 1st Battalion, the Mercian Regiment, in their warrior armoured vehicles, the UK is committed to providing a war-fighting division made up of units like this to NATO in the event of a full-scale war. And Admiral Sir Tony Radekin was quick to defend the capabilities of his personnel. The notion that, 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 that you're saying that we have all these people, so you've got 20,000, 30,000 people, and that somehow they, they, they don't exist and that they're useless. It's, 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 but all of their vehicles are completely outdated. They exist. There's nothing to fight in. So we accept, we accept that the vehicles are, are really old. We accept that with the warfighting division that we've got now, we're investing in like crazy to improve for 2030. It's still a warfighting division. It's not the one that we want. Well, it is. I accept in name, it is. But come on, why can't we have some honesty in terms of saying this is where we're at? And the request for honesty and to tell the truth on this topic was a recurring theme from the committee in their robust questioning of the Admiral. Ships, they're very, very serious weapons and we need to take the Chinese very seriously. So anybody who thinks that a war with China would be a cakewalk, think again. Russia's new generation nuclear weapons are game changers. Um, they have more nukes than us, don't they? Well, they they have more tactical nuclear weapons than us. Um, uh, the strategic nuclear, uh, the strategic arms reduction treaty, which is getting ready to expire, limits uh, our delivery systems to 1,550 for each side. So we have parity, but they have better weapons. They built something called the Sarmat, uh, which is a very heavy uh, intercontinental ballistic missile. And the thing about the Sarmat is, most intercontinental ballistic missiles, or I should say all, uh, ground-based are launched and then they go what they call the polar route. So they'll fly over the pole, the North Pole uh -huh. to get to the uh, North, uh, to, the, to the North American uh, landmass because that's the shortest route. Okay. So we have all of our radars and early warning systems built up layered to come in. Our missile defense is designed to intercept and all that. The Sarmat takes off and goes over the South Pole. Oh, shit. And we ain't got anything there. So the Sarmark comes in. There's nothing going to stop it. And it's going to put 36 warheads on our cities, wipe out our country. Um, and then they have something called the avant-garde, which is a hypersonic maneuvering warhead. So it's so even when you release a normal warhead, it goes on somewhat of a ballistic trajectory. And you can try and get a solution to shoot it down with anti-ballistic anti -ballistic missiles. The avant-garde accelerates maneuvers. You can't shoot it down. And it's precision. It hits. You can't stop it. So we've spent all this money on ballistic missile defense. It don't work. It never will work. Uh, the Russians have just trumped us uh, on that. So anybody who thinks, and this is the thing about Russian nuclear doctrine, you have a lot of people right now say, well, we can have a limited nuclear war. Let's just let's nuke one place and show the Russians we're serious. What they have to understand is that the Russian nuclear doctrine is if you use one nuclear weapon against us, we fire all of ours instantly. Mm. And it's the end of the world. You said 36? You said 36? That's just for one missile. They have dozens of them. Wow. And uh, I would assume missiles. every single major U.S. city is on that list probably. New York, Miami, uh, Chicago, well, here, here's the thing Los Angeles, here, Here's Houston. the thing about nuclear targeting. You only need 400 weapons to destroy the world. We, we, we've known that for some time now. Bruh. 400 weapons will what? destroy every every major, every, every target worthwhile in the world. Um, they got 1,550, which means when they hit Miami, they're coming in with five, five warheads. They're going to get a spread load on it just to make sure it's all gone. And it will be all gone. Chris. 
Wow. I ain't going to heaven, man. Yeah. <laughs> Nigga, you going to hell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially with that sound effect usage. Stupid. Um, damn. Damn. Yeah, so That's... nuclear war is not to be played with. This is the other thing I try to tell people is the last remaining nuclear arms reduction treaty. Again, I just want to remind people, I was the first. 600 Ukrainian soldiers were killed during the counteroffensive along the southern front lines in the past 24 hours. That's according to the Russian Ministry of Defense. Kiev has remained tight-lipped on losses, though. And Russia repelled 14 Ukrainian attacks using Western-supplied vehicles, according to the MOD. Seven more Ukrainian tanks were lost, and a number of soldiers who were allegedly trained in Great Britain surrendered. RT's Murad Gazdiev has more. Ukraine's much-hyped counteroffensive continues to stall. The blasted remains of NATO-supplied tanks and armor rust in the fields. Russian artillery heaps destruction on Ukrainian forces. This video was reportedly shot by Ukrainian infantrymen on the attack in Zaporozhye region. Another push failed. Western training, arms and equipment are proving insufficient here and along the front lines. Up north, near Kremennaya, another Ukrainian attack was also beaten back. Five Ukrainian troops of the 95th separate Aeromobile Assault Brigade were captured alive. War we with Russia sink a lot the restaurant. Um, and I have to, I'm looking at the videos and I'm telling you right now, Garland, there is a whole bunch of U.S. military personnel there. A whole bunch. Uh, they flew in two Blackhawks from Romania. Um, and, you know, they turned off their transponders when they, they went across the border. These are casualty evacuation helicopters. Why would you bring in Blackhawks unless you're bringing out active duty personnel? And some of the people on the ground look an awful lot like their active duty personnel, like their advisors, their people there uh, assisting, uh, in addition to other Americans who may have been, you know, mercenaries or whatever. But there's a lot of Americans, including American females, um, there who um, were dead, dying, and more visibly there to support. We're talking about people in full battle rattle. They're wearing their helmets, they're wearing their flak vests, they're in their uh, you know, their utilities. Um, the, the, the Russians hit something pretty important. Um, and uh, this is the kind of pain that we're going to start to feel. The Russians are going to start to hit decision-making centers and uh, places in Ukraine that are going to inflict pain on all parties involved. He has a patch of the 101st Airborne Division of the U.S. Army. So these aren't just Ukrainian soldiers. These are South Africans. These are Americans, Canadians, uh, probably more as well. Here's another one. More U.S. Rangers. Another U.S. Ranger uh, sweatshirt on site there. And here is part four of the shopping center. It is not the first time a shopping center has been used for military purposes. The guy in the video says the shopping center, which has been destroyed, has soldiers underneath the rubble as well. Okay, so um, this is like really, really just 
blatantly obvious that it was not just a civilian zone. This was, yes, tragic in the sense that civilians were injured, probably killed as well. That is a tragedy that should not be, no one should make light of that situation. But to say that Russia was targeting civilians with wanton disregard for their life is just insane. It was clear that they were trying to target whatever was going on here at this uh, at this pizza shop and this cafe where you had um, you had people claiming that there were soldiers under the rubble. You had videos from the rescue and Instagram posts confirming that former Canadian and U.S. soldiers or current, you know, who knows what they are, former or current, you Canadian and U.S. soldiers were on site. The SBU arrested a quote-unquote Russian spy who gave out the position for the strike in Kramatorsk. U.S. Remember, that's the third army that NATO's built. People forget that. The first army, the Russians destroyed by June. The second army, the Russians destroyed by October of last year. The third army has been built. It's there now, and the Russians are destroying that. And there won't be a fourth army because there's no equipment left to give them. Last week, the United States released another Ukrainian security assistance initiative package totaling several billion dollars, two billion. This package procures critical capabilities, including Patriot munitions, Hawk air defense systems, artillery, rocket munitions, maintenance, sustainment support, and much more. Additionally, this week, we released our latest drawdown package of $325 million. From our current stocks, we are providing Ukraine air defense munitions, Gimlers, long-range artillery, artillery rounds, 155, Bradley's strikers, and many other capabilities. Any of it gonna help? Oh, first of all, the, the drawdown that he's talking about is stuff they're going to draw down and send to the Ukrainians. Uh, the numbers he's putting out there is several battalions worth. It's just not enough. It's a joke, and he knows it's a joke. Um, to give you an example, he talked about 300-some-odd million dollars there. Uh, right now, the Ukrainians are losing about a 70 to $100 million worth of equipment a day. So, Miley, good job. You're going to give them three days' worth of equipment to go out there and get slaughtered, you idiot. The other stuff that he talked about, several billion, which became two billion, is not drawdown. It is because we have nothing left to draw down. So this is stuff that has to be built anew. So we're now procuring the money, sending the orders in, and this stuff isn't going to be finished coming out the, the, the pipeline for months, if not years. It is meaningless. Uh, again, General Miley should be court-martialed. He's an incompetent fool, uh, unfortunately, He's obeying the orders that he's been given. So he, look, he's smart enough to know that every word he says is a joke. And why he's not crying, why he's not begging forgiveness for sending those Ukrainian soldiers off to die because we knew they were gonna die. No one believes this counteroffensive is going to succeed. We know it's going to fail. With 60,000 troops, remember, that's the third army that NATO's built. People forget that. The first army, the Russians destroyed by June. The second army, the Russians destroyed by October of last year. The third army has been built. It's there now, and the Russians are destroying that. And there won't be a fourth army because there's no equipment left. ...of prepared reserves. The enemy had no success in any of the sections. They had heavy losses. All their losses are close to the estimate of what is called catastrophic in terms of personnel. The losses may be wounds that can be healed, or they may be permanent. Usually permanent losses are 25%. But Ukraine's losses are almost 50-50. We have 10 times fewer casualties than Ukraine. As for armored vehicles, they've lost over 160 tanks and over 360 armored vehicles of various types during that time, of which we are sure. 
the amount of arms used in offensive operations are significantly higher. At this point, the West has emptied its warehouses of all weapons for Ukraine. Only South Korea and Israel have supplies left, but soon those two will be gone. There are over 160 tanks, 360 infantry fighting vehicles, and that's not all the NATO equipment. There is also Soviet-made hardware, and armored vehicles are being destroyed. Both Bradleys and Leopards burn as perfectly as we expected. 25 to 30 percent of the supplied equipment has been destroyed. Ask the president about uh, a potential peace plan uh, and all the countries offering to be mediators in this matter. And Vladimir Putin said, we, we, we never rejected, we've always wanted uh, a peaceful resolution. Negotiations, we almost had a deal. The U.S. holds the key to a peaceful solution to the Ukrainian conflict. If they really want to negotiate, all they need to do is to stop supplying weapons to Kiev. The U.S. pretends that it's not afraid of an escalation of the conflict in Ukraine. But there are many people in America with clear minds who do not want to cause a third world war in which there will be no war. Ukraine did launch its long-promised counter-offensive against Russian defensive lines on the southern front. However, Russia's defense ministry says all attacks were repelled. And basically over the past week, approximately or so, we've been getting a lot of reports about this Zaporozhye region right here. This is where some of the most intense fighting has been taking place. It's also incidentally the same, uh, well, part of the map right there where residents last year voted in an official referendum to become a part of the Russian Federation. Now, we show you some footage here, some wreckage from the front line. Kiev did throw thousands of soldiers and German supplied weapon tanks into the battle, but well, the Western weapons didn't last very long. Several US-supplied armored vehicles are also among the wreckage. Now, Ukraine has suffered very heavy losses since the offensive was launched. This is according to the Russian defense minister. Let's bring up some numbers for you here on the program so you can basically understand exactly what we're talking about. Well, there they are right there. Now, throughout the week, uh, Ukraine's been very quiet about its activities, with President Zelensky only recently confirming the counteroffensive had kicked off. A counteroffensive that Vladimir Putin says has failed. It can be stated with absolute certainty that this offensive has begun. This is evidenced by the use of strategic reserves by the Ukrainian army. Furthermore, the Ukrainian troops did not achieve the objectives assigned to them in any of the combat areas. Over these days, we have observed significant losses of the troops of the Ukrainian regime. Their losses have been substantially greater than the classic 3 to 1 ratio expected during offensive operations. The Kick of the dam who did it. New dimension with the destruction of the strategically important Kokova Dam, uh, releasing a tremendous amount of water downstream uh, on the Dnipro River, uh, threatening the city of Kherson and threatening hundreds of thousands of uh, civilians who live on either side of the river. It also threatens. Um, energy production. Uh, there was a uh, hydroelectric uh, facility um, related to this uh, to this dam. It threatens uh, the water security of Crimea, and it threatens the ecology of the entire Black Sea as uh, this this uh, surge of water um, is going to be entering that sea, disrupting uh, fisheries, etc. Um, who's to blame? Russia has been warning about the. Uh, intent of the Ukrainian government to destroy the Kokova Dam uh, for some time now. Back in October um, of last year, Russia sent a uh, message to the Security Council of the United Nations um, 
saying that the Ukrainian government was threatening to destroy this dam and that the consequences of that would be grave. Uh, it appears that the Ukrainian government has indeed accomplished this mission. Of course, the Ukrainian government is quick to blame Russia, saying that it's the Russians who destroyed this, but the uh, forensic evidence uh, in terms of the ongoing uh, artillery attacks against the uh, structure by uh, the Ukrainian military uh, makes it clear that Ukraine is responsible. Why would Ukraine do this? Well, I think the objective here is to create a, um, a source of international controversy. Uh, the United States uh, and Europe, the collective West, have shown a propensity to accept at face value anything the Ukrainian government says regarding uh, allegations against Russia, even though there's no evidence to back it up. We saw this back in April of 2022 when Ukraine created the uh, Bucha massacre uh, controversy, accusing Russian forces of slaughtering uh, unarmed Ukrainian civilians in the Bucha suburb of Kiev. Uh, this was done in order to uh, get the West to move away from the potential of a negotiated settlement between Ukraine and uh, Russia that was about to be consummated in Istanbul on April 1st. Uh, similarly, we have a situation where the West has uh, Ukraine fatigue. Uh, even though Ukraine has initiated what appears to be uh, the beginning of a long-awaited counteroffensive, there's little hope that this counteroffensive will achieve anything other than a decisive Ukrainian defeat. And this defeat will come on the eve of a NATO gathering in Vilnius next month in which the future of NATO, the future of Ukraine, will be front and center. Uh, if all Ukraine can deliver to this summit is yet another Ukrainian defeat, with little hope of NATO being able to reverse this defeat, NATO has exhausted its ability to provide weaponry, um, and the world is quickly running out of the resources necessary to keep Ukraine on the life support that it's enjoyed for some time now. Um, if the world succumbs to Ukraine fatigue, then it will be a dire situation for Ukraine. So what Ukraine is seeking to do through the destruction of the Zakopa Dam is to create a new controversy, a new outrage around which they hope to rally international support for their cause, um, allowing the conflict to continue by rekindling a desire upon the West to continue to fund Ukraine both fiscally and to provide the uh, tens of billions of dollars that would be necessary to rebuild the Ukrainian army after this current counteroffensive fails. It's unlikely that this will succeed. I think um, there's wide recognition around the world that the principal culprit in this is Ukraine, and no amount of uh, propaganda, no amount of uh, falsification of, uh, of data will be able to sustain the notion that Russia did this. Ukraine committed an act of terrorism against its own civilian population, against Russia, and indeed against every nation in the Black Sea through the destruction of the Kokova Dam. The question now is, what is the world going to do about it? I'm about to get on their ass this time. I'm about to get on their wrong. The police could kill a man on camera and get qualified immunity. 
And I'm tired of beefing with my own kind. I'm trying to find some unity. Tired of the foolery. The system abusing me. I gotta ride with the tool of me. This shit ain't cool to me. But I'll be damned if I let you niggas make a fool of me. So I keep two on me. Uh, I done came a long way from the block with breakdowns. Finally opened my eyes when I had my daughter. Got tired of them shakedowns. The way I survived the game is still pain in my heart. I got a lot to say now. And I'ma show my whole ass on these motherfuckers. I ain't about to play around. Whatever happened to freedom of speech? Cause they telling niggas what to say now. When guilty ass don't wanna hear the truth, try to act offended, shit pitiful. If I was you, I'd be miserable. This war we fighting is spiritual. In other words, I'm doing God's work when I turn thoughts into artwork. My words fly like darts work, specifically designed to hit the target. They don't even wanna teach history the way it's meant to be because the shit is heartless. I might not change the world, but it's a chance I can spark the brain that's gonna get it started. Many die for me to walk like this, for me to talk like this, but the peace to Marcus. Got my eyes behind the scope, and I ain't taking number headshots. I got great aim, but my four five still came with a red dot. I got in this game, and I put this bitch in the headlock. Yesterday, I drove to Lancaster County. I drove to Amish country. I drove from house to house to house. I actually went to the house of a relative of Gideon King. He's the one person, the only known person in the Amish community who supposedly died from COVID that I'm aware of. Now, they say there may be up to five people in Lancaster County who died from COVID, but I was unable to get the names of five people. I offer $2,500 reward on Twitter. Hey, give me the names of more than five people in Lancaster County who died from COVID. Not a single person was able to name more than one person. They all named Gideon King. One guy. So I talked to the, I, I actually went to the house of Sam King, who's a, a relative of, of Gideon King, and I talked to Sam. He doesn't know if Gideon actually died from COVID or not. They die, he died in the hospital. They think it was COVID, but maybe he died from the COVID hospital protocols. Okay, so you look at the Amish. I did the calculation. Let's say there were five Amish people, because people say, I, I think there were maybe a few, or, or maybe there were five Amish people. But you know, and then I asked them, okay, can you name them? And nobody can name them. But let's say that we could name them. And there were five Amish people who died. That means the Amish died at a rate 90 times lower than the infection fatality rate of the United States of America. The Amish died at 90 times lower rate from COVID than America, than the rest of America. Now, how is that possible? It's possible because the Amish aren't vaccinated and because the Amish didn't follow a single guideline of the CDC. They did not lock down. They did not mask. They did not social distance. They did not vaccinate. And there were no mandates in the Amish community to get vaccinated. They basically ignored every single guideline that the CDC gave us 
Ignoring those guidelines meant a death rate 90 times lower than the rest of America. So you talk about taking guidance from the WHO. Why don't we copy what works? In fact, wouldn't it be great to say in the next pandemic that Pennsylvania will take guidance from the Amish instead of the WHO, and you will be much, much better off. It is very clear that the head of the snake is the financial system. We can argue till the end of time about who runs the world. Is it the Jesuits? Is it the reptilians? Is it the Illuminati? Is it the Freemasons? We can go on and on and on and on about this. But I don't think it is reasonable to even begin arguing about the mechanism that is used to exert this control. The mechanism is finance. The whole point of finance is to indent, otherwise to enslave. What is a mortgage? I mean, what does that stand for? It's called, it's a death grip. So when you get a mortgage, you have a death grip held over you because you are in debt. You don't even own the house. The bank owns the house that loans you the money to buy the house unless you're fortunate enough to have all the money to buy it outright. And even then, you can be taxed by the government. And if you fail to keep up with those taxes, the government can then take it from you. The whole system is based on a financial fraud, which effectively takes the power that we have, and it gives it to a tiny group of individuals who are running the world through the control of finance. With the infinite supply of money that we have allowed them to take, they have literally an infinite supply of money. And with that money, and from their psychopathic point of view, they have bought everything and everyone who can be bought. So those of us who cannot be bought because we operate on a level that goes way beyond the material, we are not rewarded for such behavior. We are punished for such behavior. And the most slovenly, disgustingly criminal, pedophilia, uh, you know, corrupt moral individuals, those are the ones that are rewarded in this system, which is upside down. We reward the pedophiles, we reward the corrupt, we reward the liars, we reward the people with no morals at all, and usually we compromise them under this system in terms of maybe a videotape. Maybe Barack Obama is gay. Maybe we have videotape of him having sex with another man, or perhaps uh, some other uh, acts that may be not so popular amongst many of the, of the electorate. Or maybe we have videos of... Uh, political leaders having sex with little boys or little girls. If I was in charge of the world and I was a psychopath and completely drunk on my own power, you can bet damn sure that's what I would do. I wouldn't allow anyone in a position of power who wasn't completely compromised. When you have an infinite supply of money, you can do this. Take that supply of money away, take that power back, put it in the hands of the people, get rid of fractional reserve banking, which is an obscenity in itself. Listen to the lessons of Jesus Christ if you're a Christian who got really pissed off when he went to the temple and he saw what the money changers were doing. Let's take back control of the issuance of money, and not just on a national level. I'm happy to see in Denmark that you have your own currency, you don't have the euro. But on every country's level, they should be issuing their own currency in a transparent, non-usury-based way in which it really, truly benefits the people. And in that way, we can literally free ourselves of the banking debt, which is drowning us all, and we can stop scrambling for the crumbs from the table of these filthy rich psychopaths and live in a state of abundance just by changing this one thing. And I'm not just talking about abundance for Western nations who have an artificially inflated value with their currencies. We all in the West are guilty of having that reward while the rest of the world is sucking on it. 
every nation in the world can use a sensible financial policy to liberate themselves to have world-class education and infrastructure everything that a healthy society would require can be had in the worst most corrupt African country in any part of the world we can all have that if we simply change that one thing John F Kennedy did that about six months before he was taken out he issued United States notes as opposed to Federal Reserve notes I can assure you the powers that be knew the power of that act, and they took him right out. So the bottom line is if we as people understand this very simple principle, just this one thing, change this one thing, we can solve every other problem you can name. I don't care what the problem is, I can bring it back to the financial system and an infinite supply of money for a bunch of psychopaths who are running the world, as opposed to an abundant supply of money for all of us. So in that sense, I'm very optimistic. This is not rocket science. I am not the smartest guy in the room. We can all understand this. And as soon as we do, we can exercise the same power that we had, but relinquish that we can have a future for ourselves and our children. Who shot in his head? Got the police shot in his mama car while she was at the gas station. Police said that they was chasing a man who jumped in her car. And out of fear, they shot inside of her car. The mother said, they shot my child in the head. I told them that my baby was in the car. They knew that before they started shooting. They shot my baby in the head. They had to remove part of his skull to relieve the swelling in his brain. They also had to remove the bullet that was stuck in his brain. My baby done had over 10 seizures since this didn't happen. My son in the hospital right now, fighting for his life. He's struggling to breathe. My baby didn't deserve this. And they knew my baby was in the car. And they shot anyway. Why do we have to keep acting like we not dealing with a bunch of trigger-happy clan members? Hiding behind uniforms and badges. Why we keep acting like we don't see that? How many funerals y'all want to go to before we get serious? Enough is enough. And this is not happening to everybody. If this beautiful black baby was another color, they would have had a hostage negotiator out there on the scene. And shooting in that car would have been the last option. It wouldn't have been the first. This is why the Black Panthers was formed. This is why the Nation of Islam was formed. This is why Black Lives Matter was formed. And I'm not talking about how these groups turned out. I'm telling you about why they was formed. This is why knowing your history it's so important because if you don't know your history you're going to repeat your history everything that these people doing us they've done to us already y'all better wake up and pay attention and the houston police said the officer was a 15 year veteran anything that you do for 15 years you good at that officer knew exactly what he was doing it's time for us to start standing up. The respect that we need and the respect that we want, we don't have to fight for it. And I ain't knocking y'all who feel like all we gotta do is pray. 
and God is going to come down from heaven and fix it, I'm not knocking y'all. But what I'm telling y'all is, we going Nobody would tell the Japanese woman to forget about the fact that during World War II, the white man interned her family, took all of their personal possessions. Nobody would tell her to forget about that. Uh, nobody would tell the Indian woman, forget about the fact that the white man came over here and took your country and put you and your babies out on the reservation. And nobody would dare to tell the Jewish woman to forget about the Holocaust, so why I got to forget about slavery? discovered while stumbling through some more American history. Now, I don't want anyone to think I'm racist, so I'm going to try to keep this as friendly as possible without saying the wrong shit. But this is one of the games that they used to play back in the late 1800s, all the way up to the 1950 or 50s or maybe I think they might have stopped doing it around the 1950s but this is one of the games that they used to play at their yearly carnivals and fairs now during this carnival not only did they use us as live targets but they also used our babies and the sinister part about that is they used to have the mother breastfeed the baby so when they hit the baby, the baby could spit up milk during this game. But that ain't even why I brought this shit up. The reason why I brought this up is throughout all of American history, we keep discovering shit like this that shows us exactly how they treated us. And yet we still send our kids to their indoctrination camps. Y'all call them schools, I call them camps. And we can see the agendas that's being pushed inside of these schools. We still manage to make them money by playing baseball, football, basketball, and every other kind of sport that they all fucking own. We still work for their companies and we're still spending our money with the same people who have shown us throughout history shit like this. And to top it all off, the Pentagon just sent $6 billion to Ukraine. And what have we got? More shit like this. So I ask myself and I ask us, when are we gonna stop holding this shit up and start tearing this motherfucker down? That's all. And I pray to listen for the edifying to whoever it comes across. As many know, Christianity has most of the world believing the laws of the Father, Yahweh, are done away with. They believe why Jesus died for their sins, which means they think they will be forgiven for whatever they do, as long as they believe why Jesus died on the cross to allow them to sin. One of the most important teachings of Christianity is that Jesus Christ, through his death on a cross, took away the sins of the world and redeemed all sinners. Every Christian, Everywhere believes this. In reality, this is not biblical. And even though we are no longer under the law, the New Testament lets us know the law still plays a major role in our salvation. 
With this being said, today's video will cover the necessity of the law. In doing so, we will establish its position in our salvation while proving it's expected to be practiced by all believers. And Lord willing, whoever has ears to hear is for the edifying. So let's start in the book of Romans. So Romans 6 and 11 through 13, starting with verse 11, and it reads, Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto Yahweh through Yahweh Shah HaMashiach our Lord. So here we see those who believe in the Messiah, Yahweh Shah, are dead indeed unto sin. And when most people hear this, they assume sin no longer affects our mortal bodies, which would imply we can sin without facing any repercussions for our actions. And this is what we would call a false understanding. That is without a doubt the dumbest thing I've ever heard. You are a fucking idiot. In reality, when it says we are dead to sin and alive in Yahweh Shah, it's telling us we should no longer allow ourselves to sin willfully. And instead, we need to live in righteousness under the name of Yahweh Shah, which ultimately brings us closer to the Father, as it is established in John 14 and 6. But to prove this point, let's keep reading. So verse 12, and it reads, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto Yahweh as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto Yahweh. So in verse 12, we are told not to let sin reign in our mortal bodies. And due to 1 John 3 and 4 telling us that sin is any transgression of the law, the only way to keep sin from reigning in our bodies will be to avoid any transgression of the law, proving it's still expected for us to keep it, which means it's still in effect. As for verse 13, here we are told not to yield our members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, which means we are not supposed to use our body parts to commit sin in any way, and instead should use our body as an instrument of righteousness for the Father, Yahweh, which is also part of how we make our body a living sacrifice, as we are instructed to in Romans 12 and 1. With all this being said, so far we've been told to live in righteousness, avoid sin, and allow our bodies to be used as instruments of righteousness, all of which can only be done if we kept the law. But to further the point, Let's dig deeper. For this next section, we will remain in Romans chapter 6, but now we will address the position of the law when dealing with grace. So Romans 6 and 14, and it reads, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. Now when Christians read this verse, they immediately hyper-focus on the section that says, We are not under the law. And with these few words, they forward an entire doctrine that claims the law is done away with. However, being under grace does not remove the presence of the law. And to prove this, we have to do something Christianity refuses to do, which is keep reading to receive the full point within the context. So Romans 6 and 15 through 16, and it reads, What then shall we sin? Because we are not under the law, but under grace, Yahweh forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. So at this point, the recipients of this letter are asked if we should all sin now that we are under grace. And the writer's immediate answer to this rhetorical question is Yahweh forbid which is another way of saying no or expressing that one does not want something to happen. Also, when we continue in the verse 16, we are told that we are servants to whoever we obey, whether it be a servant to sin, unto death, or obedience unto righteousness. And this is interesting due to the law having to be present in order for us to sin against it or obey it, as it is written in Romans 7 and 7. With this being said, when verse 16 told us to be servants to obedience instead of sin, it was telling us to obey the law in righteousness instead of breaking the law and living in wickedness. And due to verse 15 telling us we are under grace during our obedience to the law, we can't claim grace removes the law in any way. 
Now that we understand grace and the law exist in cohesion, let's figure out how the law and grace play a major role in our salvation today. As for those who have supported the ministry for a while, I'm not going to lie, we have already covered some of this, but it's been a long time since we touched this topic, and we all need refreshers sometimes. With that being said, let's continue. So Ephesians 1 and 4 and it reads, According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Yahweh Shah HaMashiach to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Here we are told the righteous are chosen from the foundation of the world to be without blame before the Father, Yahweh which means they will be without sin, and this will be done due to the righteous being predestinated to be adopted as spiritual children to the Father Yahweh through his son, Yahweh Shah, which means the righteous were predestined to conform to the image and understanding of Yahweh Shah as it is written in Romans 8 and 29. This is important due to Yahweh Shah's understanding leading us to follow the law as it is written in Revelation 22 and 14 through 16, which means in order for the righteous to be adopted, they need to establish the law within this time of grace. Looks like we have ourselves a genuine conundrum, a quandary, if you will, a real-life dilemma. <laughs> so, now that we have this understanding, let's keep reading. So, verse 6, and it reads, To praise the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. So after being told the righteous are predestined to conform to the Messiah, we are then told this will be done in order for us to praise the glory of his grace. And we also see this grace is what allows us to be accepted before the Messiah, Yahweh Shah, which represents our sin being forgiven and is also needed in order for us to be accepted before the Father, Yahweh, as we saw in John 14 and 6. With all this being said, the term grace symbolizes a forgiveness of sins, and to be under grace implies that we are in a time where sins can be forgiven. But now some might ask, how do we attain grace? And to answer this question, we need to move further into the New Testament, stopping at the book of Ephesians. Ephesians 2 and 9, and it reads, For by grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of Yahweh, not of works, lest any man should boast. So the word works represents our effort to keep and teach the laws while spreading the faith, which in turn shows we love the Father and his servants, as it is written in 1 John 5 and 3 and Hebrews 6 and 10 through 11. With this being said, when Ephesians 2 and 8 through 9 said by grace we are saved through faith instead of works, it's telling us our faith in the Father is what grants us grace, which leads to salvation. And our ability to keep the law is not what will get us into the kingdom of heaven. However, this still doesn't negate the law in any way. And I'll explain how with the next verse. So James 2 and 26, and it reads, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Now remember, we just learned grace is given to those who have faith. And we also learned our works symbolize our efforts to keep and teach the laws and faith of the Father and His Son. So when the verse above tells us faith without works is dead, it means our faith is proven through our works. And due to our works involving the law, we have to keep the law in order to attain salvation. Now that we've reached the end, I want to say that even though today's video covered a large amount of information in a small amount of time, there are still many verses that prove the law is still in effect outside of the ones we brought out. For example, 1 John 2 and 4 told us we do not know the Father unless we keep his commandments. Baruch 4 and 1 told us the law will endure forever. And Romans 2 and 13 makes it clear that hearing the law has never been enough. But actually doing the law is what gives us justification from sin. Close the laptop with your stupid ass. Sitting and taking a virtual assault with your stupid ass. So to wrap this up, 
If we want to attain salvation, we need to prove our faith by keeping the law to the best of our ability. And for those who don't know, our adherence to the law is expected alongside our belief in Yahweh Shah, as it is written in Acts 16 and 31, which means you can't do one without the other. Lord willing, this lesson. Oh, you out of that. Oh, oh, oh I'm sorry. sorry. You said you yeah. wanted to be open. I'm sorry. Did I cross the line? I'm my bad. No, no, no. I apologize. Let me get back to the point. Let me let me get back to the point. Fucking California belongs to the Mexicans. So what the fuck are you talking about? About legal and illegal Mexicans? It's their fucking land. You stole it from them. You murdered them. You bled them out. You killed them by the tens of thousands, and you still kill them. You still incarcerate them. You still sending drugs into their neighborhood. You're still doing all kind of undercover work to destroy their ways of life. This is their land that yeah, yeah. you stole. Can I say and something? So you turned I mean, around. I got a question. When I say, who are you? When, I'm, when I say, who are you? I'm talking about the same people who enacted the law for them to not be allowed to cross that border. Not only that, on top of that, you've got all kinds of trade deals that Mexico was forced into. To a new one on top of it and sew you up. So now you'll have three. And that new kidney is going to validate. No, the old kidney is going to validate the new one. What type of full sense does that make to you? It makes no sense. And brother, please chime in whenever you feel free. So if someone comes up with something which is called the New Testament, why do you still need the Old Testament? And also on top of that, why did not why did not Moshe Rabbeinu say at his address before he left, you guys, I'm sorry, I messed up. God told me there's this guy who's coming, his name is Yeshu, and he's going to finish the work that I started. And even that, God is changing his law if that were to be true. Because when Avram Avinu was supposed to sacrifice Yitzhak on Mount, Mor on Mount Moriah, what happened? He was stopped. And why was he stopped? Because God told them there's a ram that you're going to sacrifice that you're going to sacrifice in place of your son. So what that tells us, point blank and period, is that God does not require human death or human blood as a sacrifice. So why automatically the creator would change his mind and decide to send his son to the world to be killed makes no makes no never mind to me. But what it does do is that entire book was written just to uh uh, invalidate what the Jewish consciousness has to offer the world because the book itself was a majority of it was written by Paul before Paul was called Paul he was actually called Shaul and Shaul was a Nazi which means he was a prince of the Sanhedrin a very learned man but one day he just decided to become Christian and the rest is literally history yes sir yes sir this lunatic said uh, we come from the seat of your mama that's idiotic I never Even if you said if you are from the sea, if you come from your mother, you are a Jew. That's what you said. It's on the camera. You said that. You said if you come from your mother, you're a Jew. Yes or no? Yes, sir. I do. Okay, so what's your problem? Like I say five words, the emotional man won't talk. I was quiet so much, he said, chime in anytime you want. I gave you the respect to the floor. You should give me the respect to the floor. If we're having dialogue here, right? The water. I appreciate it. Or Toga. I appreciate it. Anyway, this lunatic said that we come from the seed of your mama. That's idiotic. Even when you go into the story of Exodus, they wasn't trying to kill the women. They was trying to kill the sons because the man carries the seed. 
everything about the Bible is patriarchal. That's why he named the patriarchs, because everything is from the man to the man to the man to the man. David having many wives and having children, his sons will carry his name. The daughters don't carry the name. When they get married off to another man, they carry his name. That's why in the book of Numbers, when Daniel, excuse me, um, when the tribe of Dan, because that certain family, I forget which chapter in Numbers is, but I could pull it any time. When they didn't have any sons, they didn't want their daughters to lose the inheritance because of that, because they knew they would. So they made it so that they kept it. You are the seed of your father. So if your father is an Israelite, you are an Israelite. It has nothing to do with the mama. That's first. He brought up the New Testament, the Old Testament, why you would need something new or old. One simple yes or no question. Are you Torah only or Torah and Tanakh? That's to you. Uh, Are you? When you go to Jeremiah 31, we broke the covenant back in Jeremiah. The Lord said, Jeremiah 31 and 31, we broke that covenant. So when you're saying, why would we have to have a new covenant? Because the Lord said we broke the old covenant. Mm. So if the Lord, that's in the Old Testament, says that we broke the old covenant, then of Study the Bible so I know it well. Yeah, can't let nobody make myself a cell. Can't even lie, yeah, I still struggle, but I know myself. I fear God, I told him I don't wanna go to hell. Pray for the sermon, I'll be asking what's the gift in me. Must be this music, cause the world think I'm so sick with it. I switch my style, some people love it, some trying to get with it. I think what matters most is I'm living out what's God written. I make mistakes, but I embrace them, I'm still human. I escape from that place that made me feel ruined. So every day I still chase what I think I'm losing. And pray to God in the end that I don't look stupid. Why do I feel I'm unable, double-minded, I'm unstable? Wanna put all me on the table so God can make me an angel. Was living life like Cain, cause I was jealous of Abel. God told me, look up, child, I just wanna save you. I need to hear your voice in life so I could get through this. For you, I shoot for the stars every time and I don't miss. Every time I drop a hit, I still don't feel the bliss. And deep down, I know it's only cause I'm still living in sin. You transform my pen, they laughed at me, now I'm laughing with them. Transform my gifts so now I can't even rap with them. I need to use my talents cause the devil be distracting them.